sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. Cubs fans, you're listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode of Lockdown Cubs, we have seven arbitration deals to go over as the Cubs were able to finalize all seven deals last Friday, including uh, one deal with shortstop Addison Russell, who will spend the first 29 games of 2019 suspended serving out the final days of his 40-game suspension that he received last season after violating the MLB's domestic violence policy. We're all familiar with that situation. No reason to dive into it too much now. We'll get to it in the first segment. Later on in the second segment, there's plenty of rumors to go through, one involving David Bodie. As the San Diego Padres apparently checked in on the infielder, uh, reportedly looking for someone to slide in at third base now that Will Myers is going to be pushed officially to the outfield. On top of that, there was the huge news that Bryce Harper met with the Phillies this weekend, and now people are saying that the Phillies are the clear-cut favorites to get Bryce Harper, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. And then finally, the White Sox are reportedly the favorites for Manny Machado at the moment. There's reports, discrepancies between if it's a seven- or eight-year deal. We'll kind of go through that hoopla and get you the latest on the two biggest superstars on the market. And finally, we'll wrap the show going over some recent signings in the NL Central and just some other moves around the league. But before we jump into the first segment here, quickly, the holidays are over. Did you, by chance, happen to get a smart speaker over the holidays? Tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On Cubs to stay up to date with all the latest news here through Locked On Cubs podcasts. So let's jump into this first segment. Arbitration settlements, of course, we mentioned seven players for the Cubs. Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Carl Edwards, Kyle Hendricks, Mike Montgomery, Kyle Schwarber, and of course, Addison Russell, all great to deals. Uh, Javier Baez and Chris Bryant both got... Pretty big pay increases. Baez jumped to $5.2 million for this year, and Bryant will be paid $12.9 million. Uh, Carl Edwards got a $1.5 million increase for the uh, arbitration for this year. Kyle Hendricks will go into 2019 getting paid $7.405 million. Excuse me. Mike Montgomery will be making $2.44 million, and Kyle Schober is at $3.39 million. Of course, the most interesting deal that the Cubs were able to settle with was Addison Russell, who, of course, will be serving his suspension. His contract is worth $3.4 million, though he will lose $600,000 while serving the remaining 20, excuse me, 28 games of his suspension. Russell could recoup those losses in salary through five bonuses if he's on the active roster for 30, 60, 90, 120, and 150 days, respectively. Russell last year made $3.2 million, was projected to make $4.3 million this upcoming season before the suspension obviously cut into that. But um, looking at these deals, obviously it's no surprise the Cubs were able to get 
these done everyone expected they would of course it's arbitration it's nothing crazy the cubs usually have a pretty good relationship with a lot of these guys going to arbitration there's only one person that's gone to actual arbitration hearing and that was justin grimm i believe last year who ended up getting cut so the cubs are pretty successful in these negotiations always seem to play their pay their players relatively fairly um obviously the most interesting one here is addison russell now with the way things have shaken out this offseason the cubs haven't gone out and necessarily addressed starting shortstop, starting infield players necessarily, at least consistently starting. You've got Daniel Descalso on a $5 million deal for the next two years. Um, he's a good piece to essentially maybe upgrades Tommy Lestella in the utility department. Uh, but Descalso starting games is not ideally what the Cubs want to be doing, at least not for the long period of the season. And the way things have shaken out right now, I mean, it looks like Addison Russell might actually have a spot for this roster. Um, come some time... May or June as the season goes on. Obviously, I think the Cubs would probably still be open to trading him despite Russell having some crazy turnaround at the plate. Um, the off-the-field issues have been documented in multiple podcasts. We don't really need to jump into it, obviously. I think it's pretty clear most of us aren't big fans of Edison Russell, but the Cubs out of necessity might actually have to keep him on the roster for 2019 and further. So we'll see what happens. Um, the Cubs don't necessarily have any infield prospects that are ready to contribute right now david bodie's inconsistencies last year i think it's kind of hard to make the case for him to be a starter um and i think most people would agree with that sentiment at this point so um if you have to start the season with uh, javier Baez being your starting shortstop and you know having to start maybe the first month or so of baseball pretty much starting all those games and i mean david bodie could play shortstop Descalso, i think has before but not necessarily confident that he would do that obviously addison russell will is going to have to be in this picture at some point or another unless the Cubs do make a move or decide that Javier Baez and some rotation of Ben Zobrist, Descalso, maybe even Ian Happ potentially, David Bodie, who knows, rotating in there through um, to kind of fill the spots while they can. But with just the way the roster is shaking out right now, it would seem like Addison Russell might actually have a spot for this roster. Uh, looking at the rest of these arbitration numbers, like I mentioned earlier in the show, nothing crazy. I think people were kind of commenting on Kyle Schwarber's $3.39 million that he's making. It's a pretty big increase from what he was making prior, but even still, um, I mean, you know, $3.4, under $3.4 million for Kyle Schwarber with the potential he has. Obviously, we've been disappointed these last couple seasons with injuries and you know getting sent down to the minors and just kind of being forgotten about last season uh Kyle Schroeber's hoping to rebound in a big way as almost the rest of this entire Cubs offense is so um we'll have to see what happens there but accounting for the arbitration deals the Cubs knew uh, not new I guess but the projected 2019 opening day payroll with Assuming player bonuses, minor league deals, things like that, 40-man roster is going to be slightly more than $225 million for 2019. And that isn't including any any other additions the Cubs add, whether it be bullpen, backup, you know, backup catcher, things like that. Uh, right now, that, that's assuming that essentially that's the roster for the most part. Um, I mean, uh, boy, uh, the Cubs are obviously going to shoot past the 206 luxury tax threshold like we've talked about before. And... Um, sadly, that right there is probably the biggest reason why the Cubs aren't going actively after Bryce Harper's, Manny Machado's, even Craig Kimbrell's, Adam Octavino's, the top relievers right now. And with the Cubs convention coming just next weekend, um, the Cubs got to, I would assume, hopefully are 
hoping to have some type of announcement. Who knows? I mean, they don't necessarily make deals to be, look at who we got at Cubs convention, but fans obviously are going to be frustrated with the way this offseason was kind of teased and led into and thought to be, and obviously things haven't panned out the way the Cubs would like them to at the moment, but a lot of it seems to be payroll budget or budgetary basically restraints so um if you guys haven't checked it out ryan wrote an interesting article a couple days ago about this whole situation and how the cubs front office says historically even while pay uh, their payroll is jumping close to the top of baseballs right now it really hasn't been i mean they were seventh at one point a couple years ago and beyond that they haven't really necessarily jumped into the elite status of teams paying the most money in baseball except for these last this last season really in this upcoming 2019 season they'll be up there right there with the red sox at the moment i think they're tied for second or they might be a little bit above the red sox right now for first altogether regardless the cubs are now spending money that they've always kind of just maybe not directly said but just the mentality they've gone about things and it was assumed for the most part the cubs would just be spending this money regardless before we jump into the second segment i have a quick message from the arizona office of tourism for spring training this spring follow your favorite baseball teams to arizona for cactus league spring training amazing weather and landscapes exciting outdoor adventure incredible food arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans 10 stadiums, 15 teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix within 50 miles. Family friendly resorts and hotels offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages. From water parks to horseback rides to games and activities, plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Once again, that's visitarizona.com slash spring training. Stick around for more Locked on Cubs. Welcome back to Lockdown Cubs. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. If you have any questions you'd like to submit to the podcast, mailbag questions, things of that nature, email us at lockdowncubs at gmail.com or leave us a message on our Google Voice line. That's 331 472 7096. You can text us or call us. It'll send right to our Google Voice page. And if you leave us a voicemail, we'll try and play it on the podcast. So, Let's jump into the second segment here. David Bodie trade rumors. As I mentioned earlier in the show, there was a report that the Padres had reportedly shown interest in Cubs infielder David Bodie. Um, it apparently had talked to the Cubs about a deal. Um, reportedly, the Padres are interested or looking to actually slide Will Myers back into the outfield. Has shown that he is pretty subpar at first base, hasn't been great at third base. His tenure with the Padres altogether has been a disaster, but the Padres have looked into. A couple different options. The Yankees, Miguel Andujar. The Reds, Nick Senzel. Phillies, Mikel Franco. A couple different types of people pretty much across the board. David Bodie seems to fall on the tail end of that scale of players when you're talking about guys like Miguel Andujar to David Bodie. Obviously, the glove's a little bit better for Bodie, but the bat, not as reliable. Um, Cubs adding Daniel Descalso doesn't necessarily mean David Bodie is flexible or could be a guy that they could just move. Um... But, uh, I mean, they would have to get something back, I would assume, or the Cubs would have to have some type of insinuating move after they move a guy like Bodie, because I think right now he's probably their backup shortstop. So they would need something. I guess you could probably pull someone up here from the minors to try and make something work like that, but I'm I'm not quite sure. Um, Of course, people have talked about people like Kirby Yates would be a great flip for Bodie. Obviously, I think Kirby Yates' ceiling is probably a little bit too high for what the Cubs would be having to trade. So, you know, like Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation uh, 
hypothesize the idea of maybe putting Brandon Kinsler or Brian Dunsing in with David Bodie, get you Kirby Yates or something back. Um, you know, who who knows what exactly, you know, you would get from the Padres. My thoughts would be that I, I can't see anything too concrete coming back for Bodie. And honestly, I would assume David Bodie's probably got the highest, you know, likability or potential with any club. It would, it would be with the Cubs. So I, I just don't see anything coming out of there that's really, you know, drastically going to improve this team. Um, but, you know, if you can get something back, that's not a not a bad move. Get the most out of a guy like Bodie, who I think right now, probably with his career arc, you're trying to decide what his best value is for this current club's roster, whether that's on this roster as a utility guy or maybe getting moved off this roster for pieces back. So um, interesting. Don't know if there's really anything to it. Um, another, now the really exciting things that have going to happen this week, and of course the Philadelphia Phillies met with Bryce Harper, one of the top free agents, obviously, in the MLB free agent market at the moment. Him and Manny Machado are both seemingly going to decide in a destination, it seems like, relatively soon with spring training about five weeks away for most teams now. Um, but after meeting with the Phillies, it seems like, according to at least Bob Nightingale, the Philadelphia Phillies are the clear-cut favorites for Harper at the moment. Um, no idea what the contract would be at the moment. I would assume it's somewhere around $300 million or somewhere close to that because that's where the Nationals' contract offers have been. Um, surprisingly, the Nationals are back in this conversation a little bit. Um, they're definitely a little bit of a dark horse. I've been, I think they have a better chance than some other teams like the Dodgers, Cubs, whoever it may be, still in this dogfight type of situation. But it feels like right now it's the Phillies. Um, there's been reports that the Phillies could also swing Machado and Harper. That seems unlikely, but... With what's going on with the White Sox currently, who are reportedly now the favorites to land Manny Machado, it seems like teams aren't as aggressive as they were expecting. So the White Sox haven't necessarily changed up their original offer. There's a report from Jeff Passan um, a couple days ago saying that the White Sox had offered Machado an eight-year deal. Uh, there was another report today from, I believe, Bruce Levine on Twitter correcting that report, saying that the, Cub- the Sox are still at seven years. That they haven't changed their original prior or their original contract offer, so somewhere between seven and eight years, I would guess probably two fifty to two seventy range is probably where the White Sox are sitting at. It seems like the White Sox have been consistently a little bit lower than some of these top teams, and the Philadelphia Phillies are probably on the other spectrum of you know they have money, are ready to contribute, and have even made comments implying that they would be maybe even a little stupid with money. That's a direct content or, or that's a direct quote. By the way, that's not taken out of context either. It was Philadelphia's president of baseball operations literally saying comments, saying we might even be a little too stupid with money at times because they have so much of it to spend. Just the antithesis of everything we've heard from this offseason. So just very strange to see someone come out and just be like, yeah, we're going to spend a bunch of money. We're not even sure if it's going to be the appropriate amount. We're just going to spend it. Um, Mind-boggling to me. the good news here for the Cubs, for people that are still holding out hope that Bryce Harper might still end up being on the Cubs, is that there were reports a couple weeks ago that the Cubs had told Scott Boris and Bryce Harper's group that if they can get a last-minute kind of like counter-offer option on some on someone like Harper's last deal, they would go ahead and exercise that, and that might be the last kind of push to get the Ricketts to get into the right direction of trying to basically spend money. But reports of what Ken Rosenthal put out is essentially the Cubs wanting to spend the money, but can't because ownership won't necessarily approve the funds to do so. It seems more and more like Harper is probably going to end up with the Phillies. Um, Manny Machado right now, 
I would say it's probably the White Sox in the race for the moment. But if a team, you know, if one team was anticipating being able to get Bryce Harper and misses out, maybe Manny Machado. But for everything that we've heard, it sounds like Machado is likely the first person to uh, to actually sign before Bryce Harper. So where all that lies, it's tough to tell. But the Cubs have been, I, at least they're, they're obviously interested in Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's obviously interested in the Cubs. It just has to come down to can the Bryce Harper and the Cubs agree on the price point? And can they agree on maybe the terms of the deal itself, how long they are? You know, it's 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 going to be tough for these two to kind of be in the middle just because the Cubs are really being hamstringed by the front office. Um, and as Ryan kind of wrote in this article for Forbes, as I was talking about, it's pretty ridiculous that the Cubs are in this situation, but it's not too different than the situation we saw last year with you Darvish and Jake Arrieta taking significantly less money than they were projected to be getting, simply because the offers weren't there because teams don't want to spend the money. They don't want to invest that many years and money into one person. As we're seeing now, luxury tax fees and luxury tax fines or whatever, they're expensive now, and it is a lot of money we're talking about, you know, potentially $70 million in fines that could happen this year for the Cubs. But where it really starts to hurt is the years that it compounds, and, you know, that really, realistically, the Cubs wouldn't see a massive financial toll or crippling front office toll on this probably till another two, three years. And at that point, you would hope the Cubs have won. They have money coming off the books next year, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it is a lot of money to spend. If the Ricketts don't want to spend it, they don't want to spend it. And that's kind of where the Cubs are at. So, um, good news is there are still plenty of rumors out there right now that the Cubs are still in the hunt for Machado, that they might, you know, they're monitoring situations, that Tom Ricketts might consider signing off on a contract offer to Bryce Harper or Manny Machado if, if, if it's the right type of things. The market right now is getting desperate with reports simply because teams feel how inactive other teams are and they're not sure if that means that you know when these offers come out, these guys are just going to agree and be done or if there are these counter offers sitting just waiting for a domino effect almost to come through. Because I'm sure, I mean... I mentioned this a couple times on this podcast. Scott Boris would be a dummy not to tell other people what he's telling the Cubs. You know, basically like, okay, well, you know, we, we're expecting an offer from here. If you want to try and offer us, you know, a counter offer once we're here, we'll give you X amount of time. Or, you know, maybe we'll listen. Or maybe, you know, we'll reach back out and t- touch base when we do have an offer that's that's firm. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that Scott Boris knows that he can try and say well here it is can you beat it no you know can you give us more this can you offer this can you you know whatever the incentives of a deal are you know i'm breaking this down into probably an embarrassingly uh, low type of description but the fact is there's probably other teams that are going to be making moves once they hear some idea of what some of these contracts are and when they're like actually being offered obviously the white Sox have officially it sounds like offered a deal to machado um I'm assuming the Phillies will probably have a deal that's relatively close to being offered or that's on the table at the moment right now that's either the deal or something really close to it after spending a week in there. So, I mean, it's getting closer and closer to where teams need to make these final moves to tidy up their roster before they go into spring training. Harper and Machado have to be signing soon. Um, if they can hold out and get the deal they want, awesome, but it, it's just for a player – to come into the new situation, it, obviously you would assume these guys want to get established, particularly a guy like Bryce Harper, who seems very much like needs to be involved in w- whatever the minutiae is of that community to start feeling like he's a part of something. Um, 
I would assume this next week or two, these two guys are signing, and that'll probably close the books on the rest of these guys. It'll fall suit afterwards. So, spring or spring training getting close means free agency's got to wrap up soon, and that means a conglomerate of deals is likely coming at some point here. So, uh, whether we want it or not, the hot stove is about to get real hot because of necessity more than anything. Um, but if I had to summarize this for Cubs fans, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not the most promising of lights. It's flickering. It's going out. Realistically, I would prepare for Bryce Harper, Manny Machado to be elsewhere, and the Cubs' biggest move would probably be some bullpen pieces at this point. Still big. You think what what would you get if Chris Bryant comes back healthy, Yu Darvish comes back? I saw a mailbox question sent to MLB.com's Jordan Bastian, the new Cubs reporter for MLB.com talking about, you know, with you Darvish healthy, is the Cubs starting five the best rotation in baseball? Um, that's kind of ridiculous to even insinuate because the Nationals already had probably the best rotation in baseball, one of the best, and added Patrick Corbin. So, no. <laughs> as much as I'd like to think you Darvish coming back and being healthy and, and whatever makes his rotation one of the best in baseball – I mean, it's, it's one of the better ones at baseball, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a top five rotation. At least I'm not confident enough to say that now. I'd love to be proven wrong and very well could be. This has the potential to do it. But if I had to put money down on it, obviously not a betting person. No, no, I'm not going to admit that and I, or say that. And I, I would assume most Cubs fans are probably in a similar camp that I am. Not necessarily because you're just, you know, maybe some people don't necessarily believe in you, Darvish. I know he's a guy that's a hot topic and people like to get, you know, I think irrationally upset with a guy that, basically battle injury all year but that's my own personal opinion um but you're looking at you darvish even just a guy that's hasn't been healthy uh, coming back and expecting him to be elite is ridiculous like he's going to take some time to get back he's going to probably miss a good amount of this of the season to start maybe a month or so before he's really truly the guy that you can look at and be like okay well let's hope six seven innings and see what happens so um, he had some good moments for the Cubs. It just seemed like he never truly got settled in and comfortable. And if he was hurt the whole time, like, that could explain that. Let's wrap this segment up and jump to the third and final segment. Where we'll kind of take a look at the MLB storylines across the league. As we'll probably touch on Kyler Murray, who is reportedly going to declare for the NFL draft. We'll talk about what that means for the uh, Oakland Athletic first-round pick of last year. Welcome back to Lockdown Cups here for the third and final segment of the show. Chris Bryant, some good news for Chris Bryant. He is back to his old swing, his one-handed finish, no longer keeping the two hands on there, and he is hitting breaking balls off his own pitching machine. There's a great article on Cubs Insider, if you haven't checked it out, from about, I think it was actually, it came out the day before Chris Bryant went down with the shoulder injury, actually, Um, just kind of outlining this pinching machine that, you could see most MLB teams using or having, but Mike Bryant, Chris Bryant's father, has had in his basement for a while, so Chris is able to basically hit most pitches. They can go all the way up to triple digits for most pitches, or breaking balls, fastballs, obviously, from this machine. So it does a really good job of allowing Chris to anticipate movement and read pitches and go from there. So, But great news, Chris Bryant. Back to his old swing. It sounds like he's really kind of pumping up his regimen for his hitting for the season. All signs point to Chris Bryant looking like Chris Bryant, so that's great. We do have some NL Central news. Yes, Monty Grandall, the catcher from the Dodgers, familiar with the Cubs here for the last couple of years in the postseason, um, is signing with the Brewers. He signed a one-year deal. He'll be a backup catcher for them at the moment. The Brewers have a few catching options now, but yes, Monty Grandall, a guy that had a pretty 
poor postseason that had some redeeming moments. Hopefully people see what he can prove and or see what he can do and hopefully he puts together a better season with the Brewers. So shout out to him. The Yankees landed second baseman DJ LeMahieu, former Chicago Cub. He will go to the he's going to the Bronx on a two year deal. With him, Tulo and Didi Gregorius returning Miguel Aduhar on this roster. It seems like the Yankees have officially waved the white flag in the Machado discussions. It sounds like they liked Machado but they didn't love him and they didn't feel it was going to be worth spending all that money for a guy they felt could be a potential liability. But uh, Jeff Sullivan from Fangraphs wrote a really interesting article today talking about how DJ LeMahieu might look a little familiar, um, kind of comparing his swing to that of Derek Jeter's. And not necessarily that their swinging is actually the same. It's similar. It's not that far off, actually. But uh, their hitting clip and where they hit the ball is relatively similar as well, too. So, And actually, LeMahieu surprisingly has a better heat map uh, in terms of where he's hitting the ball so interesting little comparison i thought that was a fun article perfect example of what you're writing before spring training and during the offseason of slowness so uh the big story i kind of teased before we jumped off into this third segment kyler murray uh of course oklahoma quarterback heisman winner uh is the former first round pick for the oakland athletics of last year he was the ninth overall pick um, he reportedly wants $15 million. He wants a $15 million extension to stay in Oakland. Otherwise, he is declaring for the NFL draft. Well, he has already declared for the NFL draft at this point. Uh, reported on Monday, January 14th, that Kyler Murray is going to declare for the NFL draft. Not surprising. He seemingly like he's always chose football. There's a really cool article here from Justin McWilliams from The Athletic who covers the uh, covers uh, the athletics to be less redundant, Oakland. Um, really interesting article kind of outlining Kyler Murray. Even when he was introduced by Oakland last year, um, he was asked the question if he thought if the NFL or you know baseball would kind of come into, if they'd butt heads, if he would lean one direction or the other. And he was quiet, hesitated, started talking for a second, and then kind of turned to Scott Boris, his agent, um, and Billy being the athletics GM kind of made a comment. He was like, oh, you know, got to check with, you know, whoever, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, and pointed at Brewers, and the two leaned in, him and Murray, and talked, and Kyler started talking again and kind of saying, you know, it's a tough decision, and, you know, he basically was like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we're working on or it's something that, you know, we, we I hope I can do both. But, you know, basically gave a non-answer and Billy Bean had to cover for him again. But it was obvious from that point that it's like, okay, so this guy obviously is not totally sold on baseball if he's having to sit here kind of questioning the idea or not saying he could pick one or the other. Um, he's always leaned towards football. It seems like that's the direction he's going to go. When you think about it too, it does make more sense that he – be playing football i guess if if you think about where he's going from being heisman trophy winner playing being the you know, probably biggest man on campus at oklahoma in a locker room that's going to treat their players very similar to how you'd be treated in the nfl to going to play for you know whatever the oakland a single a affiliate is and you know living that minor league lifestyle obviously he's not wanting to do that he knows he's sacrificing money now to go play for baseball if he is going to do that if Oakland's going to pay him 15 million dollars he'll it sounds like consider doing this but even then he's probably going to he's probably going to the NFL so he has about a month until he actually has to make that decision um but from everything that was reported, obviously Murray wanted to play both, but it sounded like representatives in the NFL and people in baseball kind of felt like with what the demands are for an NFL quarterback on top of what the demands are for an MLB season, it just wasn't going to work. So 
Kyler Murray likely going to go in the draft and be a first-round pick, and kudos to him. Oakland did sign um, Murray to his four, I think it was $4.33 million or $4.66 million actually. He would have to pay that bonus back if he does decide to go to the NFL, which obviously he's going to make plenty of money so he can afford paying back that money. So not an issue for him. The Mets have signed midfielder Jed Lowry. He was a target I liked for the Cubs. Uh, nothing necessarily special. He's a great hitter, pretty good infielder. Obviously, he was a gold glove candidate. He's versatile, can kind of play all over the infield. He signed a two-year, $20 million contract. Um, obviously, just a little bit too rich for the Cubs. Um, for a guy that's 35 years old, they're 34 years old. It's kind of a lot of commitment and money to spend on a guy. So I thought if the deal was right, get him on a one- or two-year deal for the Cubs, that could be a good fit. But obviously, Addison Russell's still in the picture. Dandy Scouse is on this team now. Ben Zobar's still in the picture. Uh, it'd be tough to kind of make all that work. So, obviously... Jed Lowry going to the Mets. Good fit. I like it. And then former Sock outfielder, uh, Avisel Garcia is close to a deal with the Rays, reportedly. Um, 3.4 million is the money amount I've seen. I'm not sure if it's a one-year, two-year deal. Uh, but yeah, good for Avisel Garcia. Hopefully he can find something in the, uh, Tampa Bay. So that'll about do it here for this episode of Lockdown Cubs. Keep an eye out for next or this week later on as we'll have another episode with myself and Ryan Davis. We'll be back to talk some baseball. But if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, send your questions to LockdownCubs at gmail.com or call our Google voice page 331-472-7096. Make sure you're following and subscribe to the podcast. You can find all of our updates on Twitter at LockdownCubs. You guys enjoy the rest of your nights and go Cubs.